Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. And I'm so glad that you are here today and God's going to bless you really, really good. Praise God. There's some exciting things I want to share today from the word of God. But first, Let's honor the Lord by receiving the tithes and offerings. We always want to put God first and let's do that by honoring him with our finances. And let me read a scripture to you from Psalm 23 verse one. And remember, this is the year 2023. This is the year of God's abundant overflowing provision. Verse one, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now, some translations say, I shall not lack any good thing. In other words, there's no lack, no want, no need that would be present in your life. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The Lord is leading you in the path of righteousness of blessing and overflow. And my friends, we are one week out from Passover Resurrection Sunday, 2023. And this is a year that God has determined in his mind where he wants to see you walk in a place where there is no lack and no want in your life. So what we want to do is that on April the 9th, which is Resurrection Sunday morning, which is right in the heart of Passover, what we want to do is we want to commemorate that day, which God gave his best. God gave his one and only son. And we want to commemorate that day by doing what? By giving our best. Praise God. So Passover has always been a type of our Christian experience coming out of Egypt coming out of the kingdom or the domain of Pharaoh, who was a type, a symbol of Satan, and then coming through the Red Sea, which was a type, a symbol of water baptism, and coming up on the other side in the new life experience. Praise the Lord. We thank God for Jesus. God sent Jesus, and we commemorate Passover by honoring the Lord and giving our very best offering to the Lord. Passover is one of the three feasts in which we are told, do not come before the Lord empty handed. But on this special feast, we want to give God our very best. And I pray that you will sow a seed that will honor the Lord as your very best Passover offering. Now today we also want to bring the tithe into the storehouse, but remember along with your tithe with just 10% of the income that you earn, when we have special opportunities, we want to, we want to participate in Holy Spirit led offerings. And the Passover resurrection offering is something that the Lord is moving mightily upon. And I want you to pray about what God would have you do concerning the sowing of your seed. Now, along with your tithe and your Passover offering, I want you to get it in either on Sunday, April the 9th or before, and you can mail it in or you can bring it in online. Now, if you want to mail your tithe and your special offering in, please send it to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina. The zip code is 28654, and we will receive it here at the house of the Lord. Now, for those of you that would like to bring in your tithes online, and you would also like to sow your special Passover Resurrection 2023 offering, you can do that online, and we have added an extra link to make it easier. And what you can do is go to stephenbrooks.org. Now, if you are if you're on a computer or a PC, when you go to stephenbrooks.org, you'll see the website and you'll see the headers at the top. Now, if you are on a smartphone or if you are on a tablet, you'll see that little icon in the upper right. Just click that 
Okay? And then you'll see the headers. They are Pure Gold TV, online church, podcast, events, store, about us, and the next one is Give Online. Okay, so if you click that, Give Online, that opens you up to the giving page, and you can come down to that little bracket that says Fund, F-U-N-D, and click on that. It opens a drop-down menu, and now you have your choices of your giving options. The first one is Tithes. The next one is Offerings. Then we have the Pure Gold TV program. You'll also see Passover 2023 on this drop-down menu. Okay, so it's very easy to navigate. Now, the previous ways that we have been doing it works just as well, but we wanted to give you an extra easy option. Okay, so for your special offering, click the Passover 2023. Praise the Lord. And I do believe that the Lord is going to remove from you every want, every financial lack, and that you're going to be in the overflow. I believe that God wants you completely out of the red, out of a place of negativity, out of a place of unpaid bills, out of a place of debts overwhelming. He wants to bring you to a place where you're in the black. Everything is current. Everything is caught up and you're able to establish a savings. You're able to be now in the overflow. Praise God. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. There is a tremendous anointing of the Holy Spirit upon this Passover offering where God honors the seed that you're sowing. And I'm believing with you and I'm praying with you for a miracle harvest on the seed that you sow. And I believe you're going to see God move in a mighty way, even a miraculous supernatural way in your life. Now, let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your people that as they honor you with the tithe and also as they prepare their hearts to sow their special Passover Resurrection 2023 offering, I thank you, Father, that as you gave your best, they're going to give their best. And I thank you that you're going to release special miracles in their lives. And I thank you there will be no more lack. I thank you, Father, that some are sowing in a place of great need. But you're going to honor their faith, you're going to honor their seed, and you're going to bring them, just like you did, David, into the place of the overflow. Father, I thank you for lifting up your people and making them as a shining light of your blessing upon their lives for others to see, so that Jesus is exalted in their lives, in their finances. Now, Father, we thank you. I speak blessing over your people in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. And I'll be looking for your special offerings as they come in, praying over them, and of course, praying over your tithes as well. Praise God. All right. Now, let's jump into today's message. I want you to turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. And I want to talk about finding the armor that fits you. Woo! Praise the Lord. Amen. First Samuel 17, let's pray. Father, as we jump into your word today, let your Holy Spirit bring light upon the scripture so that we can take it and apply it in our lives and thus enjoy the victory that you have planned for us to walk in. Now, Father, we thank you for this. We thank you that you are moving and we are moving with you and your spirit. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. First Samuel chapter 17. Let's go down to verse 36. David, speaking to King Saul, said, Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Well, to kill a lion and a bear, that's doing really, really good. And we see also the progress beginning with the lion. Yes, it's a supernatural victory, but then he's going to go to something with even more physical strength. And then he goes to the bear and now he's moving to a new level where he is now going to become a giant killer. Praise God. And also we see that he calls Goliath, an uncircumcised 
Philistine. In other words, David recognizes that the covenant was revealed through circumcision. So if you believe in Jehovah God, and he is the God that you serve under the Old Testament, you would therefore be circumcised, and you would come into covenant with God and walk in his commandments. And so Goliath is not in on that group. So he has no covenant of protection. All he has is his strength, his training, and his ability. And David recognizes the enemy's weakness. Verse 37, moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, my friends, make sure you give God the glory. David is not going to boast about his athletic, athletic ability. He's not going to say, well, I took judo and I learned a few moves that really worked on the lion. No, he gives the glory to the Lord who rightfully deserves all of it. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. Don't you love David with the spirit of faith that he carried making strong, bold confessions or statements of faith. Praise the Lord. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. So Saul clothed David with his armor. Well, David has received Saul's blessing and Saul's like, well, since you're going and uh, I've commissioned you to go, let me uh, do the best I can. And I'll give you my armor uh, because it's the best that we have. And so Saul is now going to try to help out David. So Saul clothed David with his armor armor and he put a bronze helmet on his head. I can only imagine how heavy that must have felt. You know, if you put on a football helmet or a motorcycle helmet or something, or even a pair of headphones, maybe for like 30 minutes after a while, you're like, I'm ready to get this off of my head, but to put on a bronze helmet, no padding or cushioning on the inside. And you're not used to that. You can imagine how uncomfortable that must have been. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. Now remember, Saul was the tallest man in Israel, and David, being a regular-sized man, he's putting on this large, oversized armor. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. Now if you read this in the Amplified Bible, which brings out the fuller meaning of the Hebrew language, it actually says that he could not walk. So he can't walk, but he's going to try to. But the reality is, is that he cannot even move in this equipment. So it says he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these for I have not tested them. So David took them off. My background as far as, uh, as athletics Primarily, it primarily began in high school when I, uh, there at my high school, there was a very well-known distance runner and he ran the mile and the two mile and he was the star athlete in the school. The football team couldn't really win anything. They were pretty good, but they, were, they could never win district or regional or make it the state. Tennis teams never could really do that well. And the other sports didn't really have any traction, but he was the star athlete because any track meet that he ever showed up at He's going to win first place. And he was really good. And one day he just said to me, he said, Hey, Stephen, you want to, you want to start running with me? And I thought, yeah, I, I guess, I guess I'll do that. And he, for whatever reason, I believe it was the Lord just kind of took me under his wing. And before I knew it, I started running, uh, the first few days, the first week I thought I would die because it was the hot, humid South Texas heat. And, uh, I just thought, how can he, how can he run like this? How can anybody do this? But you know, I stuck with it. And after a while I started to, you know, kind of get fluent in it or fluid in it. And I, I started, I found my niche and I liked running, but you know what? It is amazing at say like, uh, like some big marathons where you have international runners that would come in. I have seen guys literally that were in first place in various races end up dropping out of the race or fall from that first place position, maybe back to like 13th or 14th and finish in like way back like 14th or 15th. Now that's still pretty good because you're talking like a race with maybe 2000 people. But the reason later that they said 
The problem was, was not their body. It was their shoes. One, I'm, uh, and it's usually guys that they're really good and maybe they're on this high level stage for the first time and they go out and buy a new pair of shoes and they have never worn them before. And right, you know, if you're running a marathon, you got 26 miles. So right around mile eight or 10, these blisters start forming and uh, they can literally just start cutting into your feet. And that's just because you, maybe you've never worn that brand before or never, uh, maybe you just haven't worn them. They're not broken in. I have seen guys lose because of that. So David took them off. <laughs> very, very wise. Look, you've got to find your niche. You have to find your place. You know, speaking of uh, running shoes, this past week, I said, I said to my wife, I said, Kelly, I'm going to take you out to get you a new pair of shoes because she and I have been doing uh, more walking together. We really enjoy walking because we can walk and, and uh, talk and uh, just enjoy the beautiful uh, rivers and the wonderful walkways we have here in our county. So um, I, said, I said, Kelly, though, we've got to get you a better pair of walking shoes. She had like a pair of recreational shoes that were kind of like... Um, they, they looked cool, but they were not really good for, for walking. They didn't have any padding on the heel. So I took her to a, uh, like what we would call like a major chain, like department type store. And we went in there and looked at the shoes. And I said, just, you know, get you the pair of shoes that you want. And so she tried on maybe, I think at least probably seven, maybe eight pairs of shoes and this brand didn't fit her foot good. That brand didn't fit her foot good. And I said, look, there is another store in town that specializes more in like the kind of walking running shoes that are more high end. Let's, let's go over there. So after trying out all of these shoes, we left there. Why? She couldn't find what fit her. Okay. Now I'm going somewhere with this. Please follow me. We went to the other store and she, she tried on this one brand of shoe she's never tried on before. And the moment she put them on and walked around, she said, this is the most comfortable pair of shoes I've ever worn in my life. Now, I felt pretty good about that because the shoes are called Brooks, B-R-O-O-K-S, just like my last name. No, I'm not related. But for those of you that know athletics, Brooks only makes running shoes. If you look at Nike, they make running shoes. They make basketball shoes, football cleats, soccer shoes. They make everything under the sun, tennis shoes, and on and on it goes. And, you know, hundreds of varieties within the various brackets. But Brooks, all they make is running shoes. And so Kelly found out that the Brooks shoe and the way they design it for people's feet fits her foot with, like, perfect precision. And she was so excited. I got her two pairs. Amen. That way she could have a little variety. So she, she is enjoying her walks with what fits her perfectly. Well, if you think that's funny, I'm actually even more picky when it comes to myself because I've discovered over the years that for me, uh, by trying on different brands, there's actually only one brand that fits me really well. There's a second brand that I can wear, but really there's only one brand of shoes that actually fits me, and that's Nike. And there are certain uh, running shoes that Nike makes that, that are anatomically designed to fit a person's foot, and they fit me perfectly. You know, when I was with Kelly helping her get her shoes, there was a man there. He's probably in his early 80s. He was the shoe specialist. I mean, this is like old-fashioned service. You sit down on a very nice, comfortable, like, bench, padded bench, and he gets the shoes, and uh, you just tell him which one you want. He gets it, and uh, he uh, unties them, and, uh, you know, he'll do the whole service of making sure it's going on your foot right and stuff like that. And, uh, but I told him he didn't have any Nikes. He said, no, we don't. But he said, if you have ever had a shoe and a brand of shoe that fits your foot, he said, I would suggest you never, never change it. I said, that is tremendous wisdom. And th this guy's been working there since I first went into that store in 2005. And he's still there. And he knows shoes like very few people do. My friends, you've got to find what fits you. And here's the thing. Even let's say there's an off-brand 
that makes the shoe in triple wide, but that's the brand that fits you, then that's your thing right there. And so you have to go with what is best for you. I remember um, about two years ago, this one very famous basketball player, he was real young, but he had a lot of momentum and he came on the pro scene and he came out with his own shoe that he had manufactured, fabricated from somewhere. I don't know where they were making it at, but people told him, Hey, um, you know, you're real popular. So a lot of people are going to buy your shoes. You're probably going to make millions of dollars, but your shoes are actually these are not athletic shoes. These are more like walking around, have fun, walk around the mall type shoes. This, your shoes are, can't handle running up and down a basketball court. And because it was his brand, he had to wear them. So he wore them and those stupid shoes pretty much ended his career. I mean, he's got so many knee problems and hip problems and it's all because of those stupid shoes and uh, the brand went bankrupt. Why? They're not built right. You've got to find what works for you, what's good for you, and of course, what's good quality, and go with that. Woo! Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, verse 40, then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook, and put them in a shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. So now David is in his element. He may not have this or that or whatever, but he's got what he's familiar with, what has already been proven and tested, and he's in his element. And that's where you want to be also. I want to talk for you a little bit uh, today about your devotional life and finding what works best for you. There are uh, thousands and thousands of books within uh, Christendom on the subject of prayer, on the subject of seeking God. And there are those that, there's a few, you know, that rise to the top that have stood the test of time as being really, really good books. But here's the catch. Even if there's 10 of them or a hundred of them or a thousand of them, you still have to find out, and this is very important, you have to find out what works for you. Let me give you an example. Let's uh, move away from David here for a few minutes and go over to the life of Jesus in the Gospel of Mark chapter 1. Woo! Now look, your feet or your shoes, while yes, you want to have something comfortable to walk in, and I've got a pair that I've kind of wore out, so I'm thinking, well, I'm probably going to do quite a bit of walking in Israel. I think I need to get a new pair. But you have to understand that it also represents your walk with the Lord. The last thing when you want, uh, let's say you work and you stand on your feet, maybe in the medical industry, maybe you're in a hospital walking up and down halls on a 12-hour shift. Well, the last thing you want is something uh, where you feel that concrete and you, you have to stand there and before you know it, after two hours, your feet and legs are in agony and you still got 10 hours to go. Okay. So you have to get serious about that. But even more so, you have to really get dialed in on what works for you with your devotional life and how you structure that. Okay. So to take a look at this, we're going over to the gospel of the gospel of Mark chapter one, and let's begin in verse 34. Let me also grab a drink of hot tea. Verse 34, then he, that would be Jesus healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight. Now follow along closely because I've taught on this before, but I want to share something with you today from a different angle that you need to understand. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight. So he's getting up quite some time before the sun ever comes over the horizon. So a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. 
I think maybe if that was modern uh, and that was the modern Christian, we would say, and there he checked his emails or there he began to text. But no, he uh, took advantage of the, what that whole purpose is for, and that was to pray. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. When they found him, they said to him, everyone is looking for you. Now, he's getting up quite some time before daylight. Well, if the sun comes up at seven, he's probably getting up as far as what we would know, maybe like around five o'clock, maybe five fifteen, or something like that. Now remember they didn't have uh, watches. There's no clock on the wall. The nights were broken up in the various shifts, but even that was done um, by looking at the heavens, uh, the stars and so forth, the, the moon, and not so much uh, a clock because there were none. So he's up very early. But here's something you need to understand. Uh, just a couple of years ago, I was ministering in the city of Leeds, England. And while I was ministering there, I got up one morning to pray. And I got up at 4.30 in the morning. And at 4.30 in the morning, which is very early, at least in my opinion it is. When I got up at 4.30 in the morning to pray, the sun was already up full power. It wasn't just like coming over the horizon. It was already up, and I thought, wow, this is really different from North Carolina. I know we're not that far away, just across the ocean of the Atlantic. But I said, 4.30 in the morning, and the sun is already completely out? Ah, so you have to work with what fits you. And, and of course, if you get on a plane from England to Tel Aviv, that's only a four-hour flight, but that's a couple of thousand miles away. And so then again, you're back in a different type of a time zone, a different type of a setting. So I'm just saying that if the sun's coming up at 430, whoo, I mean, what are you going to do? Get up at three? Eventually, if you, if you don't get that figured out, you're not going to get any sleep or you're going to get so little sleep that you're going to be grumpy, maybe irritable because you're not getting the rest that your body needs. So you have to find out what works for you. And also that would depend on where you live. It could also depend on the, the season because maybe you're in a, a remote part of Alaska and either it's night almost all the time or the sun's up almost all of the time. So you have to find your niche. Woo. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, just like you would perhaps have to try on various pairs of shoes to discover what works best for you. It's also good to try to experiment with what works best for you for your prayer time. What's good for your devotional time. We see here in Mark chapter one, verse 35, that Jesus in this case was an early riser, but we know at other times he would pray during the day and other times he would also pray during the night. And sometimes, yes, he prayed all night long and he was also still getting up early, but you have to find your niche. Praise the Lord. What about Adam in the Bible? Adam would meet the Lord every single day at the cool of the day. And that was the time also when there was a sound and he could tell from that sound when the Lord was walking towards him and he would meet him there in the garden and they would walk together. And that is a, a type of fellowship that we can have also with the Lord as well in our secret place. I think about the prophet Walter Butler. He passed away in the early 70s. But he had a very remarkable walk with the Lord because for him, he found, it, uh, it, well, he found what worked for him was getting up in the middle of the night. So he would go to bed like at 9 o'clock, but then he would get up, say, right around 2.30, and then he would stay up for maybe two or three hours, and then go back to sleep and get a few more hours of rest, and then get up and start his day, and he's out the door by 7 o'clock. So he found out what worked for him and that gave him established him an international ministry where he ministered in over 100 nations. I remember the prophet Kim Clement. He had, he had two times a day where he would meet with the Lord primarily one time. Uh, if he missed the first slot, 
then what happened is, is that the Lord would come back right around three o'clock every day and would try to meet with him again. And it's very fascinating when you start to walk into this where you sense the Lord's presence coming to have fellowship with you. Or maybe, maybe you find your niche like St. Kevin did, the apostle from the nation of Ireland who lived about 1,500 years ago, and his devotional would begin very early in the morning before the sun came up, and he would go to the local lake because he lived next to the lake. He was what you would call a hermit monk, and uh, each morning before the sun came up, he would go down to the lake, and he would walk into the water, the cold, chilly water, all the way up to his neck, and he would stand there for about three hours in the water as he would recite through the Psalms and lift his hands out of the water and worship the Lord. Mm -mm. Pastor Stephen, I don't know about that. That, that sounds really extreme. Well, that's what worked for him. Maybe that's where we get the origination of perhaps you need a cold shower. So maybe we shouldn't uh, laugh at him, but maybe some people should consider, hey, it worked for him. He lived a very holy life, and there are still every year hundreds of thousands of people that still visit the ancient monastery that he established. So how about that? He's been dead for 1,500 years, and every year hundreds of thousands of people still go to visit the monastery that he raised up. So he obviously had something very, very special with the Lord. You've got to find your niche. Now, I doubt there's going to be very few of you that show up uh, tomorrow morning out in your swimming pool, standing up in the water up to your neck. But whatever your thing is and what works for you and wherever you and God choose to meet, more power to you. Mm -mm. But I would also say this, don't wear Saul's armor. Because remember, Saul's armor was his armor. It was custom fit for him. It's not custom fit for you. And I would even say, don't try to wear my armor. You need to find your armor. Praise God. The armor that God's got for you and put that on and walk in it. Because Unlike me, maybe you work a night shift. Maybe you're, maybe you're in the military and you're like military patrol, or maybe you fly an airplane at night and uh, you know, maybe you do freight or something like that. And so from 10 o'clock tonight to six o'clock in the morning, you're just, you're alert and you're full on the whole time. So there's no way you can have a devotional at night. You're working and we certainly don't want you praying if you're flying an airplane. Amen. Hallelujah. Once you're on your post doing your job, you can pray in the spirit, but do your job. Amen. Praise God. So what does that mean? It means you have to find uh, at a different time where you can fit in your garden walk with the Lord. And again, this is a little bit like going into the shoe store and maybe there's 20 different brands, but you have to take the time to try them on. My wife, uh, every time I shop for like a pair of uh, athletic shoes or even a pair of dress shoes, she said, Stephen, you take so long. I said, well, I'm not trying to take a long time, but these hurt my feet. <laughs> uh, I think maybe that's more towards a woman's side where a woman, if she sees a pair of shoes and she connects with that pair of shoes. She's going to wear them even if they're awful and painful uh, as far as function, uh, functionality. She's going to wear them anyhow. She doesn't care because she likes the way they look. But I know for myself, uh, it doesn't matter how good they look. If that's hurting my feet, I don't want to wear them. <laughs> Woo, praise the Lord. So, so sometimes that means just trying on another pair, trying on another pair. And you know what? Here's, here's what you, you have to get to. If the shoe doesn't fit, don't wear it. Well, we need to buy something in here. We have to, we can't just spend all this time here and not buy something. Well, look, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to, uh, you know, just uh, fiddle my time away. But if it doesn't fit, I'm not going to buy it because I'm not going to wear something that, that, that just doesn't fit me. Whoo, praise God. You know, young preachers sometimes try to do that. They tried to emulate maybe Billy Graham or in, emulate some other great preacher 
and they try to maybe do their hair like him or, or make their voice uh, resonate like him or something along that line. But you know what? God made you the way you are. You need to be the way you are. That's where your uniqueness and specialty is at. And while you can be influenced in a good way uh, through others, you still need to be yourself when it comes to your personality and the way that God made you to be. Woo! Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, I would like for us to jump over to Genesis chapter 3 just for a moment. Genesis chapter 3. And let's go down now to verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Well, we know what happened after that. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Well, I have a fig tree at my home, and yeah, it really blossoms in the spring, takes off in the summer, and produces frig, uh, figs that are really good because we've had it for a while now. But, uh, you know, as soft as those leaves are, I don't think I'd want to be wearing that because I still going to kind of make you really itchy. Isn't that amazing? Adam able to name all of the animals. Adam created in the image of God. Adam walking with the Lord in the cool of the day. Now he has sinned. And the next thing you know, he can't even figure out how to make a pair of jeans or socks or anything like that. All he can figure out to do is cover himself with some fig leaves. That's a pretty big fall. Mm -mm. Well, let's continue on. Verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. That, by the way, is how you establish when you meet with the Lord. You have to find the time that works for you and him. And then you come together because he'll always show up. But you want to consistently meet him every single day at that time. So that can take a little bit of experimentation, Mm-mm. but it's amazing there. There's a time I have, I won't tell what it is because uh, you've got to find your own, but there's a time that I know when the Lord wants to meet me every single time. So what I do is I set my alarm. I usually wake up on my own with the Lord's help, but I don't take chances. I still have an alarm. I set the alarm about seven minutes before that way I've got time to get up, go use the restroom and go get in my position. And a few minutes before it starts, I'm kind of like there. It's like getting the class a few minutes early before the teacher starts teaching. But I know exactly when he comes and he comes exactly at that time. This was established in my devotional life by the sound of the Lord walking in the garden. Uh, for me, it's like a wind. There's a wind that starts blowing exactly on this minute. And other times there are fragrances that the Lord begins to release exactly at that moment. So I never want to be late. I want to be there because he is showing up. And this is something that you want to do now consistently when you find the shoe that fits you when you find the time oh this is it that's when you want to establish that and say okay I'm locked into this I am on this praise the Lord thank you Jesus and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden now let me say this if you ever blow it stumble get into sin, you make a mistake or something like that. Don't run from the Lord because I'm talking to you as believers. Okay. Those who have been washed with the blood of Jesus, always run to him. Always uh, don't, don't try to hide, run to the Lord and say, Lord, Hey, I blew it. I sinned. I fell into this. I stumbled. I did that or said that or whatever the case might be and get it right immediately with the Lord. Don't try to wear fig leaves. Just say, Lord, your blood will wash it away. I'm here to repent. And Lord, I'm here right now. Run to him. The devil 
he tries to accuse, he tries to condemn, he will try to get you to go away from the Lord, but the Holy Spirit, even Jesus himself, wants you to come to him so that you can quickly get that dealt with. Why? To maintain that relationship and that walk. There's nothing the blood of Jesus can't wash away and put you back in that position of having right standing with God. So if you ever make a mistake, you ever get into sin, don't run away from God, run directly on purpose to him and deal with that and let the Lord embrace you and get that fixed and healed. ASAP. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? Now here's what I would like to say. Some of you, you know what it is to walk with the Lord, but others of you, you, you've never really had that experience of coming into the garden and meeting the Lord and having this type of a relationship. What I would say is that the ball is in your court. The scripture says, draw near to God and he will do what he will draw near to you. So you make the first move and you draw near to him and you commit when you find that spot, when you like, like the shoe, when whatever fits. Okay. When you find, Hey Lord, this is, this is where you're meeting me at. When you find that time, then meet the Lord there every day. What happens if you don't show up? Well, there could be times where something happens beyond your ability, like maybe an emergency. Or maybe something happened and uh, uh, let, let's say you met the Lord, let's say like early in the morning, but something happened. Uh, somebody pulled the fire alarm, maybe in your apartment building, and now everybody's awake all night or something like that. Or maybe a water line burst in your house and kept you up all night and you were dealing with that. And so the Lord understands that. But outside of what would be these uh, unusual type of interruptions outside of that endeavor to do your best to meet the Lord every day. And what will happen is that he will meet you there. If you're committed, he's committed. And then you have that same experience like Adam had originally in the garden of Eden. It's just as real. It is just as real. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory. The Holy spirit is really drawing right now. See, the psalmist said, draw me, Lord, and I will run after you. So right now, the Holy Spirit is really drawing many back to the Lord with a closer walk so that you can really be in the garden and, and experience all that God wants you to experience. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Adam, where are you? If you don't show up, the Lord says, Mark. Where are you? Hey, it's that time. Where are you? And if he sees that you're sleeping, or if he sees that you're watching TV, or if he sees that you're just aimlessly, mindlessly just streaming all kinds of stuff on the internet, because, you know, there's all kinds of knowledge out there now. That's the, th that's the, the pool of the internet. The eye candy of the internet is, you know, all of these things that maybe when we were younger, we wanted to know how, how was this made? Well, there's a video on it, how it was made, or maybe another fascinating subject that intrigues you explaining this or, or narrating on that, you know, but the thing is you can get lost in that because it's endless and it can pull you away from your devotion to the Lord. And so if you're committed to the Lord and you don't show up, uh, maybe because you stayed up doing all this stuff. Now you're too tired to get up, or whatever the case might be, or you got distracted at night or wherever the case might be. The Lord says, Adam, where are you? Mark or, or Susan or Jeanette or Joe or whatever your name might be. Where are you? Well, uh, Lord, I'm sorry. I didn't make it. Uh, this whatever distracted me or pulled me away. Okay. So the Lord wants you back in the garden, back in the garden. So you can enjoy Jesus as your Savior, and all that He is meant to be for you. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Look at this very interesting statement in Psalm 50. I think this is very fascinating. Something I would prayerfully ask you to consider doing. Psalm 50, and let's go right to it. It's verse 5. Verse 5. 
Gather my saints together to me. Those who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. Sometimes people in maybe desperation or frustration say, God, I make a vow. I'll never do that again. And then three weeks later, they've done it again. Or three hours later, they've done it again. <laughs> so they had good intentions, but it was something that just didn't click. Here's something that would take you to a higher place where you don't have to mess with stuff like that. Make a vow or make a covenant. Lord, I'll meet you here at this time. Barring any unforeseen interruptions, such as the firemen, you know, breaking into the room, trying to put a fire out or something like that. Outside of bizarre things like that, I'll be there. Now look at this again. Gather my saints together. Not everybody does this, but I would ask you to prayerfully consider this as being one of those who would. Gather my saints together to me. Those who have made a covenant with me. That is a, that is a commitment. That is a, a covenant is a very deep commitment. A covenant with me. How? By sacrifice. By sacrifice. Hmm. This is why in some parts of the world, some believers view their prayer time as their covenant hour of prayer. What does that mean? That means they're there, come hell or high water, they're there to pray. They're there to pray. Now, if the tornado shows up, they're just like, rebuke the tornado, because we gotta, we're got we here praying, we don't have time for that. This is when we pray, and nothing's going to stop us from doing that. Praise the Lord. Now, you'll find also that you have a lot less interruptions, or a lot less things that could interfere if you meet with the Lord at off times. And I would say, that's what I do. I meet with the Lord at a time the phone's not ringing. I meet with the Lord at a time that I'm not checking emails or doing anything like that. I meet with the Lord at an off time where it's just he and I. Mm -mm. Those who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. See, there's a sacrifice involved. Let me go back to the example of Prophet Walter Butler. He would meet with the Lord at odd times, like at 2.30 or 3.30 or stuff like that. And there was a sacrifice, if you, and many of you, if you've ever done that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There is a sacrifice in that. Because there's several things that our bodies really love. One is that we, we enjoy food, and in many ways we, we need it to stay alive. So we have to eat. So the desire for food is one of the strongest things. So that's why fasting has sacrifice involved in it. But also sleep. We need sleep, and sleep feels so wonderful, especially when you're tired and fatigued. And today we have wonderful beds and very comfortable pillows and all of these things that make sleep all that it could potentially be. You know, very comfortable places, you know, comfortable blankets and all of that, you know, nice comforters and things like that. But to but to meet the Lord at an off time, let's say maybe like at midnight, okay? Because you see people in the scripture, they would pray, they would meet the Lord at midnight. Or maybe at a different time, maybe like early in the morning like Jesus did, getting up several hours most likely before the sun ever came up. What is that? That is a covenant by sacrifice. Because it, uh, I don't know if I would say it hurts to get up real early like that. But I tell you what, it can really challenge you. Now, some, they're kind of cut out for that. They, uh, they like military time. Maybe they're used to getting up at 4 o'clock. Maybe they have a military background. So getting up at 4, that's what they, it's not a problem. But for some, it is. So anything where there's sacrifice involved in it, it means a lot to the Lord. I remember that Walter Butler talked about the time where he had met with the Lord every morning. And some mornings, the presence can be overwhelming. But other times, you know, you're just there and you're, you're walking it by faith because the just live by faith. We don't live by, you know, like uh, angels singing all the time and uh, uh, heavenly feathers coming down. So there's that element where, yeah, sometimes you hit the glory and other times it's just you're there. Why? Because you made a covenant with the Lord to meet him there. And uh, feelings or not, you're there. But it, one time, Brother Butler said he had met with the Lord for a long time. 
had some wonderful experiences, but then had a season of kind of like showing up, but not really seeming like much was taking place. And he, he thought, well, Lord, I know by faith that you're here and you're hearing my prayers. But he said, um, it's been kind of, uh, it's been kind of a while since we kind of like had the garden experience with, you know, a deeper conversation. But he said, after going through a long season like that, he said, uh, one, one of those nights, the Lord came to him. See, Brother Beatler would get up in the middle of the night, get out of the bed, and go to a different room and sit in a chair in a special room where he would meet the Lord at. So he said he was sitting in that chair, and Jesus walked up behind him and uh, from behind and leaned over him, and Brother Butler felt the drops fall on his head from the Lord's tears. And the Lord was leaning over him, weeping with such joy that one of his children loved him so much that somebody would actually get up to meet him in the middle of the night and keep the Lord company. And the brother Butler said he could feel the Lord, feel the Lord's tears falling from the Lord's eyes down on his top of his head. And they were warm and then they would run down on him. And then by the way, the Lord also began in that experience to recount to him all of the times, all of the previous days, all the previous hours when he had certain questions, but they were not answered. And the Lord brought every single one of those moments back to his memory and said, I was there the whole time and then began to answer everything. My friends, I'm telling you, this is a very special walk that you can have. It does require sacrifice. Uh, let's say you're an early riser because you want to meet the Lord. It does require discipline because I'm telling you at nine o'clock at night, maybe nine 30 or 10, your battery starts to go down and you have to be disciplined because if you're getting up early, uh, that's not that many hours away. But if you override that and stay up and watch the late night news or late night shows or comedy or this or that, uh, it's very, very hard to respond to the Lord. And the next thing you know, the Lord's saying, Adam, where are you? I thought we had something going on here. <laughs> so you have to be very, very committed. But one of the best ways to lock in on that grace is to make a covenant with the Lord by sacrifice. And again, he says, gather my saints together to me. So there are a group of saints. There are a group of believers. I call them like the Enoch type people on the earth who step in to this. Praise God. By the way, when you respond like this to the Lord, to these types of invitations, you end up, he allows you to end up meeting others who have the same type of walk. Even if you're kind of like, like the unicorns or the rare bird, so to speak, because as you and I both know, not everybody's doing this within the body of Christ. And it's not about elitism or anything like that. It's just about coming into the King's chambers, coming into the garden to have those times with the Lord that we can actually have. So to have fellowship with our creator and our savior. But if you step into it, he'll allow you to meet others who are also in that same walk because as iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another or the, so does one believer sharpen another when you have the same mutual interest. And let's close with this Malachi chapter three, verse 16. And we see this very thing discussed and mentioned here. Malachi chapter three, verse 16. Praise God. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. By the way, one of the things that you can meditate on, yes, the word of God, but you can also meditate on God's name, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Tzidkanu. You could look at all of these different elements of God's name, Elohim, the most high God, Adonai, and on and on it goes with the beautiful names of God, Yahweh, Jehovah, praise God. And for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name, El Shaddai, 
the all-sufficient one. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I make them my jewels. And I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. So you come into a special place where God takes you like a jewel and puts you in his crown. And you're one of those who fear the Lord. You're one of those believers who has made a covenant with God and you have an unusual walk with the Lord and you enjoy it. And God allows you to meet others who have the same interest. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another and you'll find yourself in these types of situations. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory, glory to the Lord. And you'll find that with some, you can share some things that are what we would call deeper truths or supernatural experiences that with others would not be wise to share. And there are some things because of the walk that you come into with the Lord, that the Lord says that is just for you. You know, you can be a very giving person and you could take whatever God would give you and just completely give it away. But you have to understand there's also a part where God is like, no, don't give that away. That's for you. I gave that to you. That experience is for you or that blessing is for you. I didn't ask you to go passionate around and sharing that with everybody. It's for you. So while you want to be a gracious giver, you also want to learn the art of receiving. And this is just one of the many things that the Lord begins to unveil during those times of walking with the Lord in the garden. My friends, the book of Genesis chapter three can be very alive to you. God wants you to have this today. I want you to lift your hands if you would like to come into this. And I believe, I believe for some of you, you're going to over this week, you're going to like be trying on different pairs of shoes. You're going to be trying on, Hey Lord, what works when Lord, do you meet me? I'm telling you, my friends, I know the minute that the Lord shows up in the devotional time that he and I have put together. And it was, it was formed out of covenant. I know the, I know the minute he shows up. Hallelujah. And I never want to miss because <laughs> I don't want to miss anything that he would say. But also just the fellowship. You know, sometimes when you really love somebody, you don't always, you don't always have to talk. You can just sit there together because you both, you like each other. You can just sit there. You don't have to say anything. Just sit there and enjoy each other's presence. Amen. Lift your hands if you want to come more fully into this. Praise God. Lift your hands. Father, I pray for those that are watching today that they find their armor that they find their niche, their walk with you, that they find what works with you. Lord, I pray that it will not be a formula-based effort, but I pray that it will be a Holy Spirit-based effort, that just as Adam sensed when that sound of Jesus coming to walk in the garden, I pray your people pick up on that, whether it's a sound or something in the spirit realm that lets them know this is the moment. This is the minute I'll meet you at this spot or at this time. So father, we just thank you. Let them know the time. Let them know the place and let them come into it. And for those that would like father, let your Holy spirit work with them, even in that area of establishing it as a covenant time. Thank you. Father, we give you praise. We thank you, father God, that your blessings are very real. But we must also have the real walk, lest we see all of these wonderful things in your word and not really experience them because of superficiality. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. In an age, oh God, I pray for your people where there can be shallowness, not, not intentionally, but it's so easy to be, it's so comfortable, Father, to be mediocre, to be shallow. But I pray for your people, Father, that they be in that place of protection and fellowship and unlimited joy of walking with you. Thank you, Father. Let it be established for your people this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
and amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Glory, glory, glory to the Lord. Now, if you're watching today's program and you don't know Jesus, you don't know God in a personal way, you can today. I want you to pray. I'm going to lead you in prayer. And let me also say, if you used to walk with the Lord, but you backslid, but you happen to be watching this program for some reason, but you have fallen away from God, you need to rededicate your life back to the Lord and uh, get rid of the fig leaves and stop running away from God and run to the Lord and he'll restore you faster than you can snap your fingers. Okay, let's pray together. Father, I pray for those that are watching right now that want to get their lives right with you. I thank you that the door is open for salvation. Now, please pray this. Say, Lord Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender my heart, my life to you. Please forgive me of my sins. Wash them away with your precious blood. Jesus, give me your new life. Write my name in your book of life and step into my life and lead me and guide me from this day forward. Thank you for saving me, Jesus, for you are the Passover lamb slain for the redemption of all mankind. And Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and savior. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And amen. For those of you that have just prayed that welcome to the family of God. Praise the Lord. Now you know what to do. You need to establish your walk with the Lord, your time of prayer and uh, meditation on the, on the word of God, on the scriptures, your time of being alone with the Lord. Praise God. Praise the Lord. The Holy spirit is moving. Now let's take Holy communion today to secure these truths within our heart so that the birds of the air will not steal the seed that has been sown, but that the seed of God's word that has been sown today will fall on the soil of your heart, which it has, but it will bear fruit 30, 60, 100 fold, 100 fold in your life. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Grab some unleavened bread and some grape juice. And let's pray. Oh, by the way, if you don't have unleavened bread like these little wafers, just get a piece of bread, get a little cracker. That'll get you going in the right direction. And that's totally fine for now. So use what you have and let's pray over it. Father, we pray that you bless the bread and the juice. We set it apart as being holy. And we thank you that this is now the body and the blood of Jesus. Father, as we receive the Lord's flesh, we receive the invitation to come in to a place of communion and fellowship with you. We thank you that you are drawing us and we respond and say, yes, we'll come. Now, Father, we thank you. We receive the Lord's body in Jesus name. Amen. Let's partake together. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Mm -mm. Glory. The Holy Spirit's going to bear witness with you of what fits you concerning the meeting time in the meeting place. Now, Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for grace. We think that any covenant is established on the blood of Christ but it's also established by grace. We thank you, Father, we could have good intentions, but we're flesh and blood. But we thank you that the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. So we thank you for the extra dose of the Holy Ghost to show up. We thank you for your grace, your strength, your energy, your, your wisdom, and even determination infused within our spirits. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive the Lord's blood together.
Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I could, I could say more. Some of you will even have, I'll say a little bit more. Some of you will have uh, what I would call supernatural experiences of being translated. Usually, not always, there's no set rule of thumb on this, but usually when that happens, it happens at nighttime. Being translated in the Spirit from one place to another. Maybe you're taken there even physically, or maybe God takes your spirit, but you go to another place. God has done things with my life like that, where I've even have preached in a different church before, uh, showed up, walked in in front of everybody, walked in front of the pastor, preached. Yet the whole time my body was back where I was in prayer at, and the Lord took my spirit and made it appear like even my body was there. They even took an offering for me in the meeting. <laughs> it is a very interesting walk with the Lord. All right. So until next time, the Lord will meet you in the garden. Praise the Lord. And also ask the Lord what he would have you do concerning the Passover resurrection offering. He'll speak to you. He'll speak to you so clear. And I want to say thank you for supporting the ministry for honoring the Lord with your very best gift. Praise God. It means a lot to the Lord. It means a lot to the Lord. And it means a lot to us so that we can continue and expand doing the eternal work of God, saving men's and women's souls and building up God's people in the faith. So thank you for standing with us. I'm praying for you and I look forward to seeing you back next time. So for right now, go and find the armor that fits you. Have a great week. Bye-bye.